What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and we got more season previews here. Uh, if you haven't checked out our previous ones, Cody did a whole bunch, 1A through 5A. Gideon had a batch as well, about 15 to 16 teams, so make sure you check out those episodes. And then I dropped an episode... Two episodes ago, I believe that is episode 281 here, where I talk about a lot of teams from Colorado Springs 5A through 4A. And then also check out the interview that came right after that from Bruce Archambault, senior quarterback over at Cheyenne Mountain. But on this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of Pueblo teams, teams down south here. I really wanted to focus on on teams around 4A to 3A here every week. I'm going to try to drop a season preview just for 5A teams uh, slash 4A teams and then a 3A slash 2A one and then a 1A slash uh, 2A one. So that way we could get a lot of teams in throughout the week as we lead up to the season, which I believe starts August 18th. That's when the first game is. And so we're fast approaching that but on this episode like i said we're talking about pueblo teams teams down south here and before we hop into the episode i did this last episode but i'm gonna real quick give a quick breakdown about how the predictions from last year went because i covered all these same teams last year and predicted all the records last year and so last year out of the 10 teams that i will talk about on this episode four of them I predicted them to be within the window of wins. And so, in case you don't know what that means, basically when we predicted the records for these teams, we gave a window of wins, how many wins they can potentially win in a season. So it would be something like five to seven wins, right? And that was to kind of help account for some games that we felt like could go either way, were toss-up games, or we just weren't sure about because they haven't played them before, at least in recent years, that would have mattered. And so, there you go there. Four out of the ten teams fell within the window of wins. But, at the same time, four more teams out of the ten on this episode, I was just wrong about. Uh, Did not get the record right at all. Did not get close. I was just wrong. They weren't within the window of wins, or even within a game of the window of wins here. And then last but not least, there are two teams out of the 10 that I predicted the record exactly right here. All right, so that's about six out of 10 teams that I was pretty much uh, close to the money or on par with when it came to what actually happened when predicting them before the season. So there you go. Now, as I said before, on this episode, we're going to preview each team. We're going to talk about last year, uh, whether my prediction was right or not about that team, graduating senior slash departures, and then we'll talk about key players going into the season before we predict the record and you know give a prediction there as well as a window of wins for each squad and so let's get this thing uh started here by talking about the highest classification team a 4a team in pueblo west last year i predicted them to go eight and two but i gave them a window of wins of six to eight they would finish 6-4 and four in the regular season, uh, being one of the four teams out of 10, obviously, on this episode, that is, uh, that fell within the predicted window of wins before last year's 2022 season. 
But in 2022, like I said, went six and four. Let's talk about it here. So to start out the season, got a big dub over Grand Junction at home. That was pretty much to be as expected there. Following that, though, they would play Dakota Ridge. Now, this was a game that I did not have them favored in. I thought Dakota Ridge would be pretty stacked. But they went ahead and they won at home here. And so that was huge 21 to 14 i was at that game that was the game they kind of had to grind out then from there the next couple i want to say uh well the next game they beat pueblo county 41 7 so there you go there but then came the fountain fort carson game and originally i predicted them beating fountain fort carson instead they got blown out 40 to 0 which was really surprising to me i felt like this offense could have scored at least and yeah, I, this one just got away from them, and so I heard, you know, they were pretty high off those first three games going through, you know, they just kind of got caught sleeping in this one, and so it happens, it is what it is, they would bounce back beating Far Northeast, a team that I predicted them beating, they beat them 28-14, to and then they played Mesa Ridge here, now Mesa Ridge was a team that I was a little bit wrong about as well, they ended up being good and put it together a lot faster than I thought they would be. Uh, able to but still I mean I would still have predicted it a win that week of but instead they lost to them 21 to 14 that's a winnable game that's a one score game so not gonna hold that against them and then they would go on they would lose to Palmer Ridge here uh, that was one I predicted correctly before beating Falcon and Coronado as I thought they would and then uh, their final regular season game I had them beating Montrose here uh, but instead, they lost to them just barely 35-28. to This was a really close game, and I thought this would have been really important for them to win here uh, as far as playoffs went, and it could have put them up, you know, the seating much higher. But obviously, they lost, so it was what it was. But uh, like I said, still fell within the window of wins, finishing 6-4 and four on the regular season. Now, in the playoffs round one, they went ahead and took care of business against a tough Stanley Lake team, 32-22. That put them in the next round where they would play Ponderosa, and this was a tough game. They lost 33-14 to 14 here. Uh, this Pondo defense was really good, and combined with them just really being committed to running the ball, they weren't going to win this game if they did that. I felt like really the only way they could have won it is if they passed it, and they did not do that, and so that is how their season ended. But you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about some graduating seniors, players they will be losing, because uh, they do miss a pretty decent amount here, starting with the all-playmaker athlete, Jacob Trader. He rushed for 1,052 yards, 14 touchdowns, also caught 16 receptions for 206 yards, 2 touchdowns, and was also the uh, tied, sorry, as the lead tackler for this team with 74 tackles. I uh, couldn't have possibly projected him going off. I think that's one of the things I couldn't account for, but they really leaned on him after he did that. And I mean, he was big time for this team. And so unfortunately he will be leaving. And so that is pretty tough to swallow. Speaking of defense real quick here, the other co-lead tackler will also be graduating. That is a linebacker, Gavin Henderson. He also had 74 tackles and six tackles for loss as well. So boom there. You go there, but let's come back to the offensive side of the ball here. Uh, Pueblo West, they're graduating two really important receivers. Did not have as great of a season, season as I thought they would, but I 
feel like it's because they just did not get the volume of receptions that I thought they should get. Uh, so there you go there. Their lead receiver was Titus White. He had 337 yards and four touchdowns on only 31 receptions here. Uh, I mean, I just felt like he was super underutilized until they played Montrose. But although he was utilized, I mean, his presence will still be missed. He was a big athletic 6'3", 6'4", receiver. And so that's not going to be easy to replace. We're also losing Gage Martinez here. I mean, he struggled with some injuries for sure. But, and, and I would say also bad coaching as well. Because uh, he only caught 22 receptions for 204 yards. He was a pretty lethal, and a touchdown. He was a pretty lethal slot receiver. So that's going to be a tough loss as well uh, and by the way a uh, gauge was their fourth leading receiver jacob trader was actually their third leading receiver he caught two more receiving yards and one more touchdown than him so just keep that in mind which is interesting altogether looking at these losses i mean they're losing seven of their top 13 tacklers and that is pretty much made up of their linebacking core here just looking through some of these guys uh max pence uh being one of those i mean they're just losing a lot of linebackers so uh it's it's definitely a little bit interesting they won't be as badly well off as some other teams are who are graduating a whole ton but, you know, it's kind of hard to replace all your linebackers, too. So there's that. And also, offensively, I mean, I think the thing that I felt like really separated them were the receivers. You know, Titus White, Gage, Martinez, I thought they were both excellent. I felt like both of those guys would definitely be enough to help them go to state, potentially, if they threw the ball enough. And they just didn't. They are underutilized, plain and simple. And Jacob Trader, as great of an athlete he is, I mean, they leaned on him real heavily here. I think he still would have been able to put up the numbers if you passed it because uh, he did show he could both catch and run but you know it was what it was there so with that being said let's talk about some key players though starting with Gavin Lockett last year was his first year as a varsity starter so that might explain why they leaned on the run heavier than the pass here because in his first year uh, starting he had an all right year you know throwing for 1,274 yards 13 touchdowns, 12 interceptions with a 52% completion rating. And then he also rushed for 335 yards, being the second leading rusher on the team and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he needs to continue to improve as a passer. Um, but also this coaching staff needs to trust him and drop some better pass plans to use him to his full ability, not just as a runner. Because he, I felt like he got a lot of carries that he did not need to take when he could just throw it to one of his receivers and they could have got it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. It was his first year starting. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they give him a little bit more of the keys here to this offense. Now he does lose two receivers, but he brings back two really interesting receivers. One of them being Brock Keck. As a sophomore, he got the start at times. He'll be coming back as a junior. And does he's 6'5, by the way. Built some good chemistry with fellow sophomore Gavin Lockett. And I think he'll emerge as one of the wideout ones for the squad, if not a solid option for Gavin Lockett here. Big 6'5 receiver who actually made some really big plays against dakota ridge and then after that they just really didn't feed him the ball a whole ton not as much as they could have i mean he caught well like eight receptions 100 plus yards against dakota ridge 
after that, he never caught more than four receptions again. Never caught more than 100 yards again. So, I don't know. I mean, he's 6'5", 215. I would probably throw it to him. So, there you go there. Another good receiver, Donovan Robinson. Uh, unfortunately, did not get as much love as I thought he would. Only got 15 receptions, 148 yards, 3 touchdowns. But he's a pretty good athlete here at 6'1", 170 pounds. I think he could be a really good receiver to throw in there. And so, these two should be pretty solid we're just going to have to see now quickly talking about a player on the defensive side of the ball we have Trenton Lovelace here uh, will be one of the few returners on defense for Pueblo West at the D-line spot he got 65 tackles and 14 tackles for loss as a junior and so moving forward you know kind of hoping that he continues to uh, get better and be a cornerstone for this defense that is losing a lot now i'm not going to be able to talk about every single player on every single roster there's just not enough time for that i'm going to say that now and i'm going to continue to say that and so i'm sure there are players i'm missing i know there's a, a andrew cloth i want to say who looks like a very interesting prospect here uh, you also have Caleb Meyer as well. You got a couple of really interesting lineman prospects who may potentially make our watch list, if not already. Uh, check those out on our social media, by the way. But they're going to have some solid size going into next year. But regardless, I mean, they have Gavin Lockett, right? You got two really good receivers, and you're not losing your entire defense. You're returning some guys like Lovelace here who should make them pretty solid. And so going into this next year, it's going to be interesting. And so let's just go game by game here, talk about all the games. So uh, to start out, they play Grand Junction. That'll be on the 18th in Grand Junction, by the way. Last time it was at home, so that'll be a drive. I believe that will be a dub. So there you go there. Then they play Dakota Ridge here. It's a way as well. Um, I am not as confident about this game here i think dakota ridge wins this one they don't have no triplet and they're losing some linemen jack rons being one of them but you know Pueblo west are losing jacob trader who they really leaned on last year here so they're gonna have to trust gavin lockett to help them win this game and i think he's gonna have to pass and more than run it even then and so it's gonna be up to the coaching staff honestly i think they can beat dakota ridge i am a little concerned about dakota ridge's secondary but we'll just see if they take advantage of that there. Uh, but for now, I'm going to give this to Dakota Ridge. Last year's was last year's game was a close game. So, you know, there's that. This year, they still return some guys. Blink Paladino at quarterback. Uh, so, I think that's going to be a loss. But then they play Pueblo County. I think that's a dub. After that, they play Fountain Fork Carson. I think this is a game where, where Fountain Fork Carson can really take control of and like not let go of the lead once they get it and so west will have to throw it in order to give them their best chance to win this game we'll have to see if that happens right fountain for carson they return a really good offensive line two good backs that's going to be a lot on a defense that is losing the majority of the starters from last year and i mean i don't know if this pueblo west offense can you know keep up even then so we'll just have to see about that then they play far northeast uh, with the number of skill players they are losing. This is definitely a game they should win. After that, they play Mace Ridge. I don't think they win this game. Uh, if it comes down to a shootout here, 
I think Mesa Ridge wins it. So there you go there. Um, I also like how they use their athletes better than Pueblo West. So, yeah. And then we have Palmer Ridge. I think that's a loss, unfortunately, here. Uh, they do have new coaching staff, but they still return Derek Hester. He is going to be tough to shut down. Plus, they still have a solid line as usual and a pretty good defense. So, there you go. But I think they'll beat Falcon in Coronado. Uh, Falcon being at home, Coronado out of way. Those should both be dubs. Then they play Monchos at the end of the season. <sighs> I... I don't know, man. I, I think Montrose wins this one. They run the ball really well, and they play really good defense. I don't know if Pueblo West can win that game. And so altogether, uh, my predicted record for them going into this 2023 season is 5-5 five and five, with a window of wins of 4-7 to seven here. Look, West, they got enough linemen returning and on the come up where this offense shouldn't have too many issues if they throw the ball. Uh, they don't have a clear running back to be the lead guy next season, or at least somebody who played a lot on varsity. And they are going to be missing a significant core of their defense as well, pretty much all their linebackers. And so I thought last year was their best chance at winning state. This year, I think they could still make the playoffs if they rely on their passing game more and get consistent there. But this coaching staff has shown, you know, some pretty considerable hesitation to throw the ball significantly i'm talking but when i'm saying they need to throw more i really think they should have at least 20 pass attempts a game at least if not 30 mostly like i i think that's how good this team is i like gavin lockett as a quarterback i like his two receivers all watchless guys they have a solid line they gotta pass it right um, but we'll see if the if the coaching staff is willing to make that change. If they are, I think they can win two more games, whether it's Dakota Ridge or Fountain Fort Carson or maybe even Palmer Ridge or Mesa Ridge. One of those four, I think they could win two more games if they pass the ball more and are good at it, too. We'll see. But I think the most likely world is they finish 500. And this is still a pretty good you know schedule. They're playing a strong schedule, so that should be able to get them into the playoffs. Now, what seed it would be, it would probably be, you know, a middle-of-the-road seed. Uh, unless they could get over 500, then they could potentially secure a buy. But we'll just have to see. Okay, now let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about Canyon City here. Uh, they went 4-6, and six, which was less than what I expected. I predicted them to actually go 6-3, and three, but they still they still fell within my window of wins here at 4-6 and six here, so uh, they were one of the four teams on this episode that were within the window of wins that I predicted correctly, uh, just like Pueblo West, so there you go there, but let's talk about last season and what went down for this Canyon City team. Uh, look, admittedly, I was a lot higher on them than I probably should have. Uh, still, though, finished within the window of wins, so I'm not super mad about it. But let's talk about what happened last season. So to start, they lost to Severance 21-5. That's what I thought would happen. But then they played Liberty here, and they beat them 21-12. to I probably would have predicted that if that happened. But then they went on, played Cheyenne Mountain, and that's when they lost 21-0. Following that, they would play Lewis Palmer. That was a game I thought they would for sure win. They got blown out 41-8. Lewis Palmer did really good there. Uh, then they beat, or sorry, they lost to Harrison 26-6. to 
Uh, that was another game that I thought they could potentially win here. And then after that, they played Pueblo East, and they lost to them 35-0. to Like I said, I was wrong about East. They were a lot better than I thought they would be this year. Uh, and then they did beat Discovery Canyon 19-16 to in overtime, which I was not expecting. I thought that would be a loss, um, but... It still said it would be a close game. And then the Pueblo County game, they lost to them 22-21. to That was a game that I felt like uh, they could have won. So there you go there. Those were some of the differences in my predictions uh, versus what actually happened. But to go down the line here once more, uh, lost Harrison, lost to County, lost to East, lost to Discovery, or sorry, beat Discovery Canyon 19-16. to They would also beat Sand Creek 15 to 2 and Mitchell 42 to 0, but I thought they would be able to do that anyways. So there you go. But let's go ahead and talk about their graduating seniors here. Uh, their seniors were the reason why I thought they would be a solid team and, you know, make the playoffs. And that starts with their starting quarterback, Max Hagens. Uh, he contributed a majority of the scoring on offense with two passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns. Uh, wasn't super efficient as a passer. Two touchdowns to five interceptions, but did pass for 731 yards, though. Uh, so there you go there. He contributed a good amount of yards as a rusher as well with 238. And so that'll definitely be missed. Did not have as good a season as I thought he would going into his senior year. But regardless, I mean, you want continuity at quarterback you definitely lose it uh, with a senior quarterback who started for multiple years as well. They are also losing Rainer Ramirez. He had 45 tackles through five games, was one of the lead tacklers for the squad. Uh, one of the things that really kind of grinds my gears is that the tackles on uh, this thing... Uh, on their stats here is definitely incomplete here. It says he only played six games. It said a lot of guys only played six games, but that definitely cannot be possible. So I'm just going to say that real quick here. Um, but when talking about seniors, and I'm just going off of the stats I have here, they're losing five of their top 13 tacklers, but that does include their two sack leaders who each had 2.5 sacks here. Uh, that was both, let me make sure I get their names, uh, Ramirez and uh, Ramirez Jr. here, Michael Ramirez. So there you go there. Um, but still, you know, losing a quarterback, that's that's tough, obviously. And losing some uh, players on defense is also tough as well. Uh, so there you go there. They're also losing a receiver in, in uh, Nicholas Reich, I want to say. Who had 21 receptions, 219 yards, and a receiving touchdown. He was not the lead receiver, though, so it's, you know, it's, it's fine. He's the second receiver there. So there you go. Those are some of the players that Canyon City is losing. But definitely concerned about this squad. They're going to be a little young here. And so uh, let's talk about some key players. I got to, like I said, I'm not going to talk about every single player. I'm just going to talk about the key ones here. That doesn't mean I'm just ignoring some players or I'm not saying other players are as important. Uh, it just means that, you know, I have 10 teams on this episode alone to talk about. And I can't be hung up on too many players. But I think one of the more important players, he will be an incoming sophomore. He was a freshman of the year candidate. That's Jake Adamich, who ran for at least for about 500 yards and four touchdowns. With the offense struggling to find a rhythm, he was one of the lone bright spots on this team here. And so going to next year without Higgins, he 
definitely probably should be the bell cow here. I think they're going to run the ball a bit more uh, because he's a talented back who's not running behind the greatest offensive line either. And so this definitely helps him out there. And then another guy to look out for is Gabriel Wren. The middle linebacker led the team as a junior with 47 tackles. Like I said, those stats were incomplete there. But 47 is still a lot through the number of games listed. And so going into his senior year, he should lead a defense that, you know, will not be completely dismantled due to graduation. And that should be a big part of, or he should be a big part of this team, as well as this defense when it comes to success on the field. And so I think those are the key players here. But other than that, it's looking a little rough for Canyon City. I mean, they got a running back, right? And then you got uh, all right enough defense who wasn't exactly great last year, you know? So it's just something to keep in mind. But going into this season, they're playing some pretty tough teams. First off, they play Severance. I think that's a loss. This is not an ideal matchup here for them as Severance does return a good amount. I think they lose this one again. Then they play Liberty. Last year's game was a close game. I think this year it might be able to be close if they could, you know, uh, control the pace of the game. But this Liberty Liberty team, excuse me, is experienced. Uh, they have a great running back over there. They have a defense that's going to be really experienced going into this year. And they also have a quarterback who played last year. So that's already more continuity at quarterback than Canyon City. And so I think, although this might be close, this is probably going to be a little lopsided going Liberty's way. They play Cheyenne Mountain. Uh, they're not going to win that game. They're also going to lose against Lewis Palmer. I mean, Lewis Palmer, they have some really good running backs over there. They run the ball well. They did it last year. I think they're going to be able to struggle. They're going to struggle to stop them. And then following that, they go ahead and play Harrison. I feel like this was a matchup that I severely misunderstood. I don't know why. I felt like they could beat them last year. I think Harrison should still be able to win this one. I know they lose TJ Washington, but, you know, it is what it is. They still have some talented backs there between Jazari Spencer and company. So I think that's a loss. Then they play Pueblo County. Uh, this will probably be a closer game this year again. Considering, you know, the two young backs who went off last year will be returning for both teams in Patrick Noga, uh, or maybe it's Naga. So I will come back to that. And uh, Jacob Damage. But I think losing Haggins is, or Hagen, excuse me, is tough. But I think this is a game they could potentially squeeze out. Could go either way, though. It, it definitely could go either way. I'm going to say they win this one. So there you go. Then they play Pueblo East. Even though they are losing a very important piece, I just, I, I think they're going to lose this one. I think Pueblo East is just a bigger team, and that could be trouble for them. Then they play Discovery Canyon. I think they could beat them. This is a team losing some key pieces here. Discovery Canyon is. Uh, so they're virtually starting over. And so Canyon City, I feel like they have a little bit of continuity going for them with their defense and with Jake a damage there. Then they play Sand Creek. I think that's another dub. Same reason why I feel like they'll win it. And then same with uh, Mitchell. That should be another dub. So altogether, I have them going 4-6 and six once more this year with a window of wins of 3-5. to five. It's hard to see this team doing any, any better than 500 
injured after last year's disappointing season, but they got a young stud in a damage who should be able to contribute right away and get better and turn up for Canyon City, but other players are going to have to step up for them to get past 500. It can't just be him on offense. They're going to need at least two or three more producers to, you know, kind of get them going here. I think their defense is also a little bit concerning, but they do return some guys, so at this point, I kind of just hope that you know they develop and they're better than they were last year and they use the experience from last year to get better so there you go there but canyon city i have them going four and six window of wins between three and five here okay moving on we got pueblo centennial here and last year i'm not gonna lie i kind of messed up i definitely reviewed them before their schedule was done and and so at the time they only had like five games scheduled as of july 3rd right so and when i'm recording this it's july 14th by the way so it's a little bit later but they definitely have more of their schedule filled out here so at the time i predicted them with a window of wins of zero to one i didn't think they were gonna win too many uh they proved me wrong they won three games so two more games than you know what i would have had uh them going but they went three and seven that is two games over you know the window of wins so i consider I consider that to be wrong about this team here. They're one of the four teams out of 10 on this episode that I thought I was wrong about when predicting them last season. But, you know, like I said, I didn't know all who they were going to play. If I did, I think I would have predicted it a little bit differently. But let's talk about last season here. So last season, their first two games against Mitchell and Palmer, I do not believe were originally scheduled. Uh, if they were, I would have had them, you know, winning those. But they won those pretty handedly. Well, they beat Mitchell pretty handedly, 52-0. And the Palmer game was a little bit closer, 44-30, but still got the dub there. Uh, following that, they would lose a whole bunch of games here. Lost to Whitefield, 55-10. Lost a close one to Cheyenne Mountain, which if you listen to yesterday's interview with Bruce Archambault, he said they were up 14-0 at halftime, and then Cheyenne Mountain would come back winning 16-0 or something like that. Right? Make sure you check out that interview. So that's a tough one. Uh, they also lost to Discovery Canyon, 24-21. That is a tough one to swallow i think that's one they definitely could have won there against a team that was missing some playmakers but a win's a win still and then they played the rivalry game against pueblo central cody was at that game and unfortunately it was not their year they lost to them 30 to 0 and then would also lose to harrison 54 to 12 but then they hosted sierra at home here and they would get a pretty hard-fought win here 55 to 42 over a very talented squad but they would drop their next two games uh with basically with the identical score here in both games they would lose to both pueblo south and lewis palmer 40 to 6 which is interesting um with you know the same score in both of those last two games so there you go there altogether they won three and seven still exceeding expectations now let's talk about some graduating seniors because there are definitely some guys you know that are going to be really hard to replace uh, I don't know how they're going to go about it, but one of them, one of their more important ones, in my opinion, is their starting quarterback here, uh, Yuli Fisuyue, um, was a senior. He's a great athlete, by the way, and, you know, he has been their senior, or he has been their starting quarterback for a couple years here. Uh, he threw for 400 yards, four touchdowns to two picks. 
you know, and then he also had like 310 rushing yards and two touchdowns, so that's going to be a tough loss. Also on defense, had 21 tackles and two picks, but that's going to be a tough loss. He was a good athlete, plus multi-year starter. Continuity matters. He's going to be gone. You still got to replace him. I think that might be a tough replace. Uh, now, another guy to look out for here is Blake Roberts. He had a great senior season, rushing for 934 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, that'll be a big loss for the offense here. I expected him to be key to this team last year, and he was, and he delivered and exceeded expectations even, I would say. Also on defense, he tagged on 53 tackles and two picks. It's a tough replace. They're also losing Logan Marquez. He was a part of a productive backfield because he was the second leading rusher, and he went for 739 yards and four touchdowns, while also tagging on 44 tackles. So altogether, I mean, as far as backfield goes they are losing almost 2,000 yards of rushing there so that's tough as well as 16 rushing touchdowns so there you go there now going to the defense here they are losing some key players on defense here I already mentioned uh, Roberts and um, the uh, the quarterback Fisa Ua here so those are definitely tough players to be losing but they're also going to be graduating uh Yeshawa, I want to say Lewis, who had 56, sorry, 76 tackles. Uh, so that was definitely big time. That's their lead tackler. They're also losing their second leading tackler in Tatum Montoya, who led in sacks as well. He had six sacks while having 75 tackles. Altogether, here's the damage. They will be losing seven of their top 13 tacklers. But you gotta keep in mind, I mean, their top five tacklers, four of them are graduating. So, they, they're definitely a little bit more top-heavy there. You're going to have to be replacing some leadership. That's not going to be easy to do here. Uh, so, there you go there. But let's talk about some key players here. Let's stay with the defense here. And let's talk about Josh Trujillo. As a sophomore, he had 54 tackles and 3 sacks here. It looks like he was a defensive lineman number 68. Uh, at least, that's what I'm going to assume. And so, he will be one of the few returners on defense. I mean, you'll take everyone you could get as far as production goes. We'll only be a junior going into this year. So, just keep that in mind. Uh, they will also be returning receiver here their lead receiver here by far uh and excuse me if i say this wrong i'm so sorry but emmanuel honrahan i want to say he will be an incoming senior uh, he had 441 receiving yards and six touchdowns on only 16 receptions by the way which is really good really efficient there on defense he also contributed 26 tackles and three interceptions Going into his senior year, he will be one of the more important athletes, as I assume he's going to play both ways. I don't know if he has a quarterback to throw to him, um, but if he does, he should be a key option there. And then, speaking of quarterback, this is the kid that I think will replace um, their senior from last year, and he will be an incoming senior, and that is Jaden Hudder in here. He had a total of six touchdowns as the backup quarterback, throwing for 270 yards and three touchdowns while running for 270 yards and three touchdowns there. Also on defense, he tagged on 42 tackles and three picks. Going into his senior year, he definitely will be important. So, while they are losing a lot, they are returning some key pieces. I like the receiver, showed some promise at quarterback, and then they have some young pieces on the defense. It's just going to be a matter of seeing how fast they could put it together. And even then, I don't know if it's going to be that great of a of a product. So 
there you go. But let's start here. They play Denver North. I think that's a loss. Uh, they have really good offense. I don't think they have the offense to compete. Then they play Palmer. I think this year, you know, um, they lose this one. Pickering was actually out last year. But the backup threw for 441 yards against them, which is kind of wild. Uh, and so if Pickering was in, Palmer probably would have won. Uh, even then going into this year, I mean, they're just losing so much on defense. It's hard to imagine them being able to stop this Palmer offense that has some really good players. Make sure you check out last season preview. That's what I talked about them. Then they play Widefield. Like I said, another great offense. That should be a loss. Same with Cheyenne Mountain, Bruce Archambault, that squad. Uh, I don't think they're going to start as slow as they did last year. That should be a, a loss for them. They do play Discovery Canyon. I think maybe it could go either way. But I kind of trust... And uh, I figure that their receiver, their lead receiver, Hanrahan here, um, I, I think I'm saying that right, Hanrahan, he should have another big game and beat them. This is a team that's basically restarting, so there you go. Then they play Central. I think that's another loss again here, unless some key players can stand up. I know they hate losing to them, but this Central team is a little stacked, which we'll talk about here soon. Following that, they play Harrison. I think that's another loss. They're really big up front, and they're going to be tough to beat. Sierra, I think that'll be a loss as well. The loss of this backfield really hurts Centennial a lot, in my opinion. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Sierra will be returning basically all their skill players, so that will set up a very interesting matchup. Uh, it could be close, but I really like Michael Lumpkin. I think he could have an excellent game here. Then they play South and Lewis Palmer. I think both of those are losses here as well. And so, honestly, I have them going 1-9 with a window of wins of 0-3. to Look, they're playing a lot of teams that I just don't know if they could beat. Like, at all. The level of success they will have will rely heavily on the offense. Figuring it out, especially in the backfield. I mean, those are some tough guys to be losing there and they also have to trust that enough players on defense step up too and you know they're playing some teams who I, they just have a lot of offensive firepower they're going to be tough to stop so unless you have a better defense here in Colorado or an offense that could keep up it's just really hard to see them doing that so there you go I have them going one and nine in a window of wins of zero to three okay now let's go ahead and move on to Pueblo South here this was another team just like Pablo Centennial that I was wrong about, except I, I really feel like I was wrong about this squad. I originally predicted them to go 7-3 and three with a window of wins between 5 and 7. Instead, last season in 2022, they won 3-7 here. And so here are the losses that I thought were going to be wins. Lost to uh, Pueblo East, 23-0. Obviously, that was the infamous brawl. That happened, but they weren't going to come back and win that one anyways. It, this honestly was a low-key uh, blessing in disguise. Because I think that game could have been a 40-plus type of blowout. So, there you go there. But thought they would win it, they didn't. Lost to Monarch 34-6. to Monarch is also a team that did really well. Uh, and was a lot better than I thought they were. But also, South was not going to be able to win that one. They also lost to Lewis Palmer 35-20. Uh, that was a little bit closer. I mean, I think... 
I misunderstood where Lewis Palmer would be, but also I still felt like South uh, should have been able to beat them, but they didn't. They lost 35 to 20 there. Uh, lost to Harrison 14 to 0. That's a close one. So there you go there. Then they lost to Pueblo County 27 to 12 there. And so those are all games I predicted as wins. They only beat three teams here. That was Pueblo Centennial and Pueblo Central beat Centennial 40-6. And then Central in a close one, 16-14, which is interesting there. And then uh, they beat Sierra, 44-0. You know, did a good job there. So, I don't know. Just definitely a little bit disappointing here. I mean, didn't have a great quarterback here in Caleb Ortiz. I thought he would have played a lot better, and he didn't do bad. I mean, he threw for 1,529 yards, most of that coming in the second half of the season, though. But you also got to kind of consider that, I mean, they did have players suspended for that brawl, for that Monarch game. I'm pretty sure, which I don't know if they still would have won it, but it probably would have been at least a little bit closer. Even then, it was what it was, right? So let's go ahead and talk about some of the graduating seniors players that will be leaving the program here. Starting with Caleb Ortiz, I already talked about him real quick. Was the starting quarterback, only started for one year, threw for 1,529 yards, uh, eight touchdowns and nine picks. Like I said, most of that damage was done in the second half of the season. That first half, uh, right before that East game, I mean, he struggled, you know, to 67 yards to start out in that first game there against uh, Discovery Canyon. He had 199, so he was a little bit better, but still lost that one, though. And then they played, uh, what is it? They would go ahead and lose their next game here to Green Mountain of 48-0, which I didn't think they would be able to win, though. Then lost to East, and that game he struggled, had a pick there. Uh, against Monarch, he had two picks and was only 14 of 35. So uh, he had his struggles, right? Definitely had his struggles. Picked it up, like I said, at the end. But regardless, it doesn't matter because he's graduating. So there's no continuity at quarterback. So, yeah, there you go there. And then at running back, you have Elijah Aguilar. He rushed for 428 yards and seven touchdowns, was the lead rusher. He will be gone, and they don't return a rusher who rushed for more than 100 yards here, actually. So that'll definitely be concerning. Uh, they also lose Mateo Esquivale. Uh, despite the struggles, he really emerged as the lead receiver with 51 receptions, 700 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Also on defense, had 12 tackles and four picks. It was a key part of the secondary. Speaking of secondary, they also lose Ray Aragon. He was the second lead receiver on offense as well with 25 receptions and 303 yards. And on defense, also had six tackles, two picks. Uh, the defensive stats, I am going to say this, don't look complete here. Um, but what, based off of what I'm looking at here, they are losing at least five of their top 13 tacklers. So not everybody, but they're losing a pretty solid chunk here, which is going to be tough. I mean, on offense, you're already losing your lead passer, your quarterback, you're losing your lead rusher, then you're losing your two lead receivers here, uh, or sorry, three lead receivers. Cause they also have uh, Grisham here who Ryan Grisham here who had 319 yards and three touchdowns on 21 receptions. So they do not return a receiver who had over 100 receiving yards. So offense is definitely going to be concerning. Defense, maybe not as much, but 
Uh, let's go ahead and talk about key players. And speaking of defense, we have Orion Birch. Uh, weird enough, there are no stats available from his junior year, despite I know him being a starter on both sides of the ball. Uh, he's 6'3", 270 pounds, has been a constant force for them. He enters his senior year looking to anchor down a team that loses a lot of experience. And so uh, he does add some pretty good size for them. We'll see how that works out for them moving forward. In addition, they return J.J. Uh, Grigo, I want to say, the incoming junior. He had 31 tackles, two interceptions, and was one of the more productive defensive players on the squad. He will return with the, more, with the majority of the defense, hoping to form a more potent unit this year. And part of that unit is Francisco Pacheco. He had 30 tackles and four sacks playing on the defensive line. Him and Burt should form a solid defensive line group. And then last but not least, you have Armando, or excuse me, you have Armando Manuel with Pueblo South losing so many skill players. I think that naturally opens up an opportunity for Armando Manuel here to have a potential breakout season as an incoming senior. I think he's explosive and has shown that he can be a contributor on both offense and defense. And so even though they are losing some guys, Pueblo South still has talent. You know, it's not like I am totally out on them and so we're just gonna have to see how this next season goes uh, but there's definitely gonna have to be some growing pains here for them all right so to start out the season uh they do play it looks like pueblo county here i think that's gonna be a loss both teams will be losing their share of players but county's a pretty run heavy offense so that's not as hard to replace as uh, I guess players in South's offense, at least in recent memory. And so the lack of firepower for for South is definitely going to be a little. It's it's going to be hard to argue wins for them is what I'm trying to say here. And so County's run heavy offense. They're also looking to return a couple backs uh, who contributed last year. Uh, in addition to Lanier, who will be graduating. But like I said, they have multiple backs who could hop in and still play well. I think that's a game they lose. So there you go. Then they play Discovery Canyon. I think that's a dub. DCC, they're losing a lot on offense. And the South defense brings back a lot more experience. I think they should be able to hold it down and beat this team, uh, dominating them, forcing turnovers, that stuff, especially this early on in the season. I mean, they play them September 1st. That is really a winnable game in my eyes. But then they go to Lakewood to play Green Mountain, and that is not a winnable game. Uh, they return one of the best offenses in the state. and or just, I, Okay, I don't want to say offenses, but one of the best offensive lines in the state. So I, I would say they're probably at least a top 10, top 15 offense. And so... I think that's a little bit too much for South to handle. They're going to have to score. If they get down, that's that's tough, right? But then they play Pueblo East. And this is going to be a very interesting matchup. September 22nd, 7 p.m. Uh, this is always an interesting matchup, right? Because it's a rivalry game in recent years. Well, really just last year, East won. But before that, South has really dominated this rivalry the last 10-ish years. All right, here, let me make that last five years for sure, right? This year, they both lose some key pieces. Right, which makes this really interesting. They're both in similar situations. East, they're losing their quarterback. I don't know if they're going to be the same without him. So that's definitely a red flag there. And so I'm going to give this one to South. If they could keep it simple, play good defense. You know, really, by this point, I mean, it's late September, uh, four games in. Hopefully, they find an identity on, on offense here. 
I think this is a winnable game, and so I'm going to give it to them. Plus, I'm sure they want revenge from last year, obviously, in between the whistles there. So, there you go there. Then they play Monarch. I don't think they're going to win that one. Asher Ewing, Owen Mellish, they torched this defense last year. Unless this defense significantly improves, I think they're going to be better. But uh, to say significantly might be a stretch. Uh, that that might be too much to ask. Plus, this offense needs to do better and, you know, show that they could stick with Monarchs. So there's that as well. But then they play Sierra. I think that's a dub here. South is just bigger up front, and so that should allow them to win this game, even though Sierra will try to beat them. Then they play Lewis Palmer. They return most of their backfield. That's a loss, I think. They play Pueblo Centennial. I think that's a dub there. Um... Or sorry, I skipped a team. They play Harrison. I think that's a loss there. I think there's just too much going against South in that one. And then they play Centennial. I think that's a win. And then they end the season with Pueblo Central here. This may be the first time in a real long time that Central beats South. At least in my opinion. I think they will do that this season. And so the lack of firepower for South is just really concerning. And so uh, I just don't know if they could beat him. I mean, Central beat them... Or sorry, they barely beat Central last year, uh, but they didn't have Amari Brown. And so, yeah, I just don't think they're going to win that one. So altogether, you know, all things considered here, I have Pueblo South finishing 4-6 and six here uh, with this schedule. With the window of wins between 3 and 5, look, it was a little difficult to see where South will land as I don't think they will be winless. But I think at best, their ceiling, at least this season, they reach 500, right? It's really hard to see them get past that with so much inexperience and a lot of questions on offense. Defensively, I think they'll be fine. They'll continue to get better. I don't know if they'll be a top, like, 10-5 unit in the state as far as 3A goes, but they'll be fine, right? But on offense, they need to figure some things out. They need to figure out quarterback. They need to figure out running back, receivers. I think they have one, but would always help to have more right and even then it wouldn't matter if they don't find a quarterback so we're just gonna have to see for south here it could be a tough go for them moving forward okay moving on sticking with pueblo we're gonna talk about pueblo central here this was one of the teams when i predicted the record last year before the season i was in the ballpark uh they finished six and four and fell within my window of wins i originally had them going four and six but i gave them a window of wins of six uh, or sorry four to six here six being their ceiling on the season and that's what they hit so uh pretty close here i'm pretty happy with that they're one of the four teams on this episode that i got in the ballpark with as far as predictions go now talking about last season uh they lost to Pueblo South and East as expected. I'm going to say that, but they were close. One score games. Lost to East 39-33. to I think that could have been a winnable game. Then lost to South at the end of the season uh, without, without Amari Brown 16-14 to here. Did barely just miss out on the playoffs, mind you. Uh, so that's definitely tough. Now talking about the rest of the games, I mean... Beat Alamosa 40-29 here. Played Heritage and Littleton, which is kind of an interesting game here. But lost to them 47-6. Beat Coronado 63-30. County 44-28. Centennial uh, 30-0 in that rivalry game. Beat Sierra 65-14. Beat Lewis Palmer 39-8 here. And then uh, lost to Harrison 28-16. So 
uh, definitely a season where they could have made playoffs, right? I think if they beat Pueblo East or if they beat South, they probably make playoffs. Obviously, if they beat both, they for sure would have made playoffs in my eyes there. Uh, but I think the key game here, I would even say as well, because I talked about those two, but I think the key game that they still could have won while losing both the East and South game was beating Harrison. If they beat Harrison, they probably would have taken their spot in the playoffs, right? Just being honest there. So that's just tough. But still, though, a lot to be happy about. Uh, but before we talk about this season and key players, let's talk about some graduating seniors here, starting with Damian Gallegos here. Uh, played linebacker and had 30 tackles and four sacks. You know, solid part of this defense here. So he will be graduating. Uh, he was their third leading tackler. And then their fourth leading tackler was Mariano Romero Garcia. Uh, the 6'3", 300-pound lineman was a big part of this offense slash defense. On defense, he got 25 tackles and two sacks here as that fourth tackler there. And then, last but not least, you have Eric Lopez Craft. He had 23 tackles and also led the team with four interceptions at safety here. So, as you can see, most of the players that they are losing, at least that I was able to look up, are on the defensive side of the football. For the most part, this offensive side stays pretty much intact. Uh, Lopez Craft, he did have some contributions, had 101 rushing yards, uh, 61 receiving yards, but. They weren't even top threes, so there you go there. So, for the most part, they're returning most of the squad here. Now, let's talk about this young team who should be due for a big season here. Starting with Amari Brown, their electric running back here. Only played in eight games, missing the last two, which I think were really important because if he played those last two, they probably would have made playoffs. But in eight games, he rushed for 1,250 yards and nine touchdowns as a sophomore here having a breakout season also caught seven receptions for 180 yards and two receiving touchdowns going into his junior year he looks to continue to improve on that and be a big time workhorse for this squad here part of the resurgence of this pueblo central program now, another guy who I think will be really important is the incoming senior Michael Montoya. The senior emerged last year at 6'10", 210 pounds. He rushed for 816 yards and 13 touchdowns as their big power back there. Uh, just, golly, as the second leading rusher, that's really good. Uh, and then on defense, he was also the lead tackler with 77 tackles and two sacks. He's going to be an important player returning for Central as a senior, forming a really tough one-two punch combo there in the backfield. And then I also want to add this player on. You have Caden Clay here. The speedster, unfortunately, was not used as much as he could have been. Only had 13 receptions, but caught 13 receptions for 233 yards and two touchdowns. Also had 22 tackles on defense. I think this is got another guy that could potentially be given the ball a little bit more. I mean, he did rush for 141 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries. Uh, so, you know, he is their lead receiver, but I think this is definitely a guy that they could add to the rotation. And then I didn't mention both of them, but they do return both of the quarterbacks they played last year here uh, in Gennaro Pino, who will be an incoming junior, and then Josiah Barella here, who will be an incoming senior. 
Uh, Pino here, he had 232 passing yards, three touchdowns, uh, no picks. And then Barella here, uh, or Brea, I want to say. That's probably how it's pronounced. Excuse me if I'm saying that wrong. But he passed for 294 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, also had 230 rushing yards and three touchdowns. The other quarterback, he had 294 yards and six touchdowns. So they're going to run it with them as well. They returned both. I don't know who's going to be the starter. It looked like, you know, one quarterback took over after some time, uh, kind of near the halfway point-ish or maybe near the second half here. So we'll just have to see what happens. Regardless, they run the ball. So I don't think it's going to matter that much. But Pablo Central, they return a real tough backfield. And then a pretty experienced defense here that makes me feel really good about them moving forward into this next year. And so with that being said, let's go ahead and talk about this next season and predict their schedule. Okay, to start out, they play Alamosa. I think that's a dub right off the bat. Uh, this could even be an absolute bloodbath. Last year, they beat Alamosa in a close one. But this year, Alamosa loses a lot. This could get ugly for them. I think this should be a big win to start the season. A good confidence booster. Then they play Pueblo East with the loss of Zayden Stevens. This East team will be very different. Last year, Central lost to them barely 39-33. If it comes down to a shootout, Central will win it. Even then, I think Central will, will win it regardless here to start 2-0. Then they play Heritage. Heritage, I think, will be a borderline contender for State and 4A. So this may be a little too much for uh, Pueblo Central to handle here. Uh, so... There you go there. Uh, but after that, they play Pueblo County. Uh, last year, Central outshot them 44-28. And I think they could do it again, especially with uh, them, with, sorry, with County losing Cody Lanier and Central returning everyone. Uh, I think this could be a closer game. This will be a really interesting game, but I think they win it. Also, I did not see this beforehand, uh, but they also played Coronado here. Originally, when I did my research, uh, that was supposed to be Denver North, which I didn't think they'd beat. But I definitely think they can beat Coronado, so that's an extra dub there. Should be able to beat them. Then they play Centennial. They should be able to win this matchup here. They just returned so much more here. The same team that blanketed them like 30-something to zero uh, is coming back while Centennial loses a lot, right? Um, then after that, they play Sierra away. This could be an interesting one. Uh, could potentially be a shootout but i believe i would favor them in this game they have a lot of weapons here i don't know if sierra could stop all of them especially in this scheme so there you go there following that they play lewis palmer last year central hammered lewis palmer and so i believe this year the matchup will probably be closer as lewis palmer is a little bit more experienced but i just kind of don't see why central can't repeat this and still win so i'm going to give them this win here then they play Harrison. I think this is a dub. This will most likely be a vital game for both teams at this point in the season. I believe this will be a good showdown, but I will go with Central this year. I think it could be a close game, and it really can go either way, 50-50. But I think at this point, I mean, if they really want to seal the deal, they beat Harrison. Just because. But if they don't, though, it will probably be fine. But I think if you want to really seal the deal, you got to beat him, right? It's either them or you know uh or uh central right you know it's either them or us type of deal so we'll just have to see about that then lastly play they play south i don't know why they lost to south last year even without amari brown but they did 
I think this year they should definitely win this game. And so this might be crazy, but I have Pueblo Central going 9-1 and one with a window of wins between 6 and 9. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs for sure. Now a couple toss-up games. Harrison, Pueblo County, Lewis Palmer potentially could all be trap games that I think they might lose here. Uh, I, I might be able to throw in Coronado there, but I am concerned about the size they have up front. Plus, I don't think they have as many playmakers as Central. I know they have Reality Smith and Jackson Gutowski uh, there. I, I think the Central team could cover them, though, and be fine. So, we'll just have to see. But, like I said, I mean, Pueblo Central, I think at worst, will win six games at best. Nine games. I can't say undefeated because I'd be really surprised if they just upset Heritage. Because uh, that would be huge. For Central if they did and that would definitely help out their RPI here but Pueblo Central should definitely be a problem here in 3A this year so there you go uh, predicted record going into this 23 season 9 and 1 with a window of wins between 6 and 9 okay now moving just outside of Pueblo I'm gonna talk about Pueblo County here uh, last year predicted them to go two and four here uh but that was off their schedule which was incomplete but still gave them a window of wins of two to four wins they fell inside that window of wins at four so they are one of the four teams on this episode that i got right you know got in the ballpark when predicting their season and so uh let's talk about this here they beat mitchell and canyon city as expected right and then they defeated Pueblo South 27-12, which I did not expect. I thought they were going to lose that one. Uh, while also defeating Sand Creek, which was not on their schedule uh, at the time that I previewed them. So just keep that in mind. But they lost some pretty close games here. I don't know if the record really shows how well they did here. But they lost some close games against Harrison. That's 14-7. to That's literally one score. Uh, Fort Morgan, which was kind of a crazy game. <laughs> I recapped that one. And there were a lot of turnovers and a lot of special teams plays. So there you go there. And they lost that one 42 to 35. That is a game you win if you have a couple less turnovers, uh, which is self-inflicted. So th there you go there. Then they lost to Pueblo Central 44-28. Not a one-score game, but it's like a two-score-ish game. You know, they probably... Could have maybe played that one a little bit closer there. Um, Discovery Canyon was another close loss, 16-12. to I don't know how they didn't win that one. Then Pueblo East only lost by 10 to them at the end of the season, 24-14. So a lot of games that they were within one or two scores of this last year, which is a little, definitely a little bit disappointing here. But you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about some graduating seniors here. Some guys that they are losing that help contribute to this season. Because I felt like they really had a better season than, you know, what the record showed here. Starting with one of their star running backs, Cody Lanier. Only played in eight games. Had a pretty quiet senior season compared to uh, other years. But he was splitting carries. And we'll talk about him later. But in the 123 carries he had still contributed 605 rushing yards there in six touchdowns as the second back here second rusher and he was very important on defense as he did contribute 52 tackles from his linebacker spot there which is good enough for third there uh he was the third leading tackler on the squad 
Now, talking about defense just a little bit more here, I want to talk about Ken Shorten, the 6'4", 185-pound defensive end, who had 59 tackles and actually led the team with 11 sacks here. That is one of the higher marks in a 3A, by the way. Um, this is size that County may not be able to easily replace as he is a longer uh, taller player and so that's going to be a tough replace there on top of that speaking of tough replaces they're losing their lead tackler hunter lanzotti here he led this county team on defense with 84 tackles and had a very productive senior year so that's going to be tough here but altogether county is only actually losing five of their top 13 tacklers but their top three tacklers are a part of that group so new leaders on defense will have to step up for them on the defensive side and then on the offensive side i mean they're really only losing lanier here um yeah yeah pretty much just lanier here as far as far as skill players go i mean there's a justin uh scum scumbato i want to say who had 126 rushing yards on 18 attempts but i don't think that is that big of a deal so definitely losing some guys uh, on defense I think that'll be the bigger loss more than anything uh, and then the line actually for the most part looks mostly intact which is going to be really interesting because when it comes to key players uh, I think one of the most important players that they are returning is their star running back he was a sophomore last year but that's when he broke out and that is Patrick Naga. Uh, hopefully, I am saying that right. It's either Naga or Noga here. But Patrick Naga, uh, he had an exceptional sophomore year, rushing for 810 or sorry, 840 rushing yards and then 10 rushing touchdowns as he split carries with Lanier and uh, you know the quarterback Glenn as well here. So he outpaced Lanier, uh, having 11 more carries than him and almost 200. Yeah, almost 230 more yards and four more touchdowns. So going into his junior year should be really exciting as he is the main focal point here. On top of that, they do return their quarterback, Cohen Glenn, here, who uh, as a sophomore actually had a pretty solid year at quarterback. I mean, looking at this guy, the 6'2 incoming junior quarterback, uh, he was in a run-heavy offense but still passed for 1,001 passing yards. Eight touchdowns to 12 picks uh, and like a 51% completion percentage there. You probably want those turnovers to go down. But he also rushed for 304 yards and 12 touchdowns. So 12 touchdowns to 12-ish turnovers. You know, it's it's interesting. And also when given the opportunity to throw, he wasn't too bad. With the exception of some pretty bad games against Harrison and East there. Which is interesting. But if he cleans it up, uh, which I think he can because he was just a sophomore last year. I think he could really put County in a good spot here. So having Glenn and Naga in the backfield will be big time for this offense. I think they're really going to focus on those guys there. And on defense, they are returning a lot of guys here. But there is one player to me that really stood out. He was also the lead receiver on offense. And it's the incoming 6-2 corner slash receiver, Jonathan Gonzalez. Uh, one of the few seniors or incoming seniors that would have played both the ways. He has shown the ability to make some great catches with really good athleticism, exceptional athleticism. And so it's worth seeing what he can do moving forward here on offense. 25 receptions, 418 receiving yards, 4 touchdowns, and he gets his quarterback back. So that's going to be huge. And then on defense here, Gonzalez... <clears throat> 
was a big part of it. You know, I had 16 tackles, and then he also had an interception. I think he is due for a breakout season and could be a key secret weapon for Pueblo County to go with the core that they are returning. So, gotta like that if you are a Pueblo County fa fan here. Just returning a lot of talent, and talent that is proven too, which I think is really important to keep in mind here. Now, going into their schedule, talking about this upcoming 2023 season here. They have nine games scheduled. Uh, usually they have 10. They have room for one more non-league game here, it looks, as they have all their league games scheduled. So we're just going to go with what we have as of July 4th, 2023. But to start out the season, they play they play Pueblo South here. Uh, I think that's a dub. Uh, they play at Pueblo South, by the way. I think that's a dub. I just don't think South has enough firepower to beat them. Uh, their defense should put up a pretty solid fight. But I really like this offense for County. I like Naga. I like Glenn. And I think Gonzalez could really, uh, you know, complete that big three there for County. And so I'm going to count that as a dub. Then they play Pueblo West. Uh, they will be playing this at CSU Pueblo at, in the Thunder Bowl. Uh, so that'll be really fun for them, or at least that's what it said on the description when I looked at it earlier here. But I really think West should win this one, unless County just has the upset of the year and they just run the ball better than them and control the clock and take advantage of turnovers. I think West should probably win this one, but eh, I won't say it's a toss-up, but be on the lookout. It could be a potential trap game for Pueblo West. Still, though, just to be safe, I'm going to call it a loss. Then they play Harrison. Uh, I think this is going to be a close one here, but I believe County can come through and win it. They have a bit more experience and are not suffering through some of the losses that Harrison is. So I think that is going to be a win, but that's going to be a hard-fought win. Then they play Pueblo Central. I think that's a loss. They return their core. Just talked about them earlier here. Um, they're not losing a player like Lanier, but County is. So I'm going to give that edge to Central. Then you have Canyon City, Discovery Canyon, Sand Creek. I think those are all wins. I don't think those are going to be super close. Sorry, same with Mitchell as well. I think those will be wins. And then to end the season, this is going to be a little bit of surprise, but they play Pueblo East. Maybe Pueblo East figures it out by this point. Uh, and they have a quarterback and their offense is rolling. But I have a hard time believing they'll be as successful without their starting quarterback of two years in Zayden Stevens here. And I just think they're going to win it. I think they're going to win that game. And that's going to be kind of a shock. And that should be enough to put them in the playoffs. So based off of this nine game schedule here, I have them going seven and two. And I'll put their window of wins at six and eight. Uh, they are playing the toughest schedule, uh, but they do return a pretty good core that has proven to be impressive. And I really think County should at least go 500 here. If not, maybe a game over. So... There you go. There are some games that might be concerning is the Harrison game and the Pueblo East game. Those are two that are predicted as wins. Those might be losses. I'm not going to even go lie with you. Those definitely might be losses. So we'll just have to see about that. So actually, I'm going to put their window of wins at 5 and 8 here. Yeah, I'll, I'll, at 5 and 8. At best, I think they win 8 games here, but there's definitely two games that I don't think they'll win. Um, one of them is to Pueblo West, and then the other one I want to say is to Central. So, there you go. But we'll just have to see. And, uh, yeah. So, 
Once again, my predictions for Pueblo County, I have them going 7-2 with a window of wins of 5-8. to eight. Okay, now let's go ahead and talk about Pueblo East here. Look, this was a team I was straight wrong about. I had them going 3-6 and six originally with a window of wins between 3 and 5, uh, but they went 8-2. and two. You know, and so let's talk about last season. Uh, this is one of the four teams on this episode I was wrong about. So they beat, you know, Pueblo Central, Mitchell, and Pueblo County as predicted. They would end up being shot, beating Cheyenne Mountain 47-17 to to start the season. That was kind of a surprise. I didn't think they'd be able to put up that many points, but that was definitely big time. So a lot of credit to them. Uh, they beat South 23-0. That was more so me overestimating South. So there you go. Same with Canyon City. Beat them 35-0. Uh, they beat La Junta here 38-13. But La Junta was out there starting quarterback. So, you know, I was wrong about that one. But I couldn't have possibly predicted that injury. So there you go there. I would still lose to Lutheran and Discovery Canyon, interesting enough, as a predicted. But honestly, if it was that week of that Discovery Canyon game, October 27th, I probably still would have predicted them to beat them. Or I would have predicted them to beat them. So that was a little interesting there. Uh, and then they would beat Sand Creek, which was not on their schedule originally. So there you go there. That's basically the recap of their season here. I mean, they played really well. They also made playoffs here, but they played Lutheran again, who they lost to 49-6. to Lutheran obviously would go on to go to state here. Uh, also, I was at the regular season Lutheran game. I definitely had to leave at halftime because that, got, that one got a little bit out of hand. Lutheran put 56 points on them. So there you go there. But uh, honestly, I thought at this point, East was turning the corner. I felt like this season... Uh, this 2023 upcoming season, they would be due for a big one. But then we got hit with the news. Zayden Stevens transferring to Vista Ridge up in Colorado Springs. So he's gone. And last year, as a sophomore, he had a breakout season, throwing for 1,605 passing yards, 20 touchdowns to 7 interceptions, while rushing for 201 yards and 6 rushing touchdowns. This is a major lethal blow to this Pueblo East program. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, that puts them in a very difficult spot. Because another senior they're graduating is Tatum Rivera. And he was kind of their backup quarterback, I would say, if any. Uh, he was also their second lead receiver with 23 receptions, 366 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, that is definitely tough to be losing as well here. I mean, here, let me just read off all the other players they're losing. So they're losing him. They're also losing Roel and Madrill, who will also be leaving. So when it comes to receivers, they are losing uh, their second, third, and fourth best receiver here, along with the quarterback. And then on defense here, they're losing Jace Martinez. Uh, middle linebacker, he racked up. Solid 56 tackles, 7.5 uh, tackles for loss his senior year. He was the second leading tackler for the squad. And then another defensive player they are losing is Daniel Badillo here. Uh, the DB, uh, or e it's either Badillo or Badillo. Uh, I, I just don't want to sound super Caucasian with it. But he had... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. He had 45 tackles and 5 interceptions. Led the team in picks. So there you go there. Altogether, this defense is losing 8 of their top 13 tacklers, uh, which is tough. You know, as far as the top 5 leading tacklers go, it looks like they are losing 
three of their top five leading tacklers. So definitely some leadership to replace. And then especially on the offensive side as well, at quarterback, you're, you have to replace some of that too. So you're losing both a lot on offense and defense here that's not going to be easy. On top of that, you also lose some significant size with linemen in Kalen Holmes, Angelo Trujillo, and Jeremiah Hansen. So you're losing some linemen as well. So this East team is losing a lot. This is going to look like a very different team compared to last year. But let's talk about some key players, starting with Isaiah Trujillo here. Uh, the incoming junior had a big-time season catching 30 receptions for 633 yards and 10 touchdowns. But without his quarterback, things may not look great. He's still one of the few bright spots on the team. So whoever comes in at quarterback, they're going to have him there as well. And then they are also returning Gabriel slash Isaiah Garcia. Uh, this duel, well, Gabriel, he'll be a senior. Isaiah Jr. last year, they combined for a good amount of rushing yards, which you know, wasn't a lot, but they combined for about 500 yards, three touchdowns. This year, they're probably going to lean on them a lot heavier to help you know carry the load on offense which won't be easy but then on defense here they are returning their lead tackler here who was a sophomore last year so he's an incoming junior this year that's angel garcia he had 63 tackles nine tackles for loss he's going to be a really important part to a defense that is not returning a lot uh also by the way sorry gabriel garcia was the third leading tackler with 44 so he'll also be coming back so you got a couple guys here Right, you got a couple guys, but it's hard to believe that this team will be the same team they were before uh, last season. It's definitely expected that they might take a step back as there are some growing pains, and they're going to have to figure some things out here uh, going into this one. So here we go. Uh, let's talk about this 2023 season. Predict the record here. To start off, they play Cheyenne Mountain on a Thursday. I think that's a loss without Zayden Stevens and the graduation of a good amount of pass catchers and some linemen. Makes me really nervous about this matchup. I like Bruce Archambault for Shine Mountain. I think this may be a little bit closer, but I think Shine Mountain has to win this one. Then they play Pueblo Central. Last year was a shootout without some of those guys that were a part of it, including their receivers and their quarterback. I think Central wins it straight up. So I think this is a loss for East. Then they play La Hunta here. I think, th this might sound weird, I think by this point, E should find a way to beat La Hunta here. La Hunta returns Luke Garner, who got hurt last year, so I don't know where he's going to be, because he did suffer a season-ending injury, so that's going to be hard to determine there. But they also lose their running back, Jeremiah Martinez, which was a really big part of that La Hunta squad. And so I think Pueblo East should be able to beat them there if they keep it simple, you know, be physical with them. It could go either way. I'm going to give them the dub here to start. Then they play Lutheran this time in Parker. They're not winning that game. They play Pueblo South after that. This will be an interesting game. A rematch of last year's rivalry game that ended in a very interesting outcome. Uh, both sides are losing significant players. And so ultimately, I think it comes down to who can have the most players rise to the occasion that are proven. And I think that is South. Uh, they're going to be tough up front here. I think that's a dub as they might be a little bit bigger than Pueblo East here. Uh, and even then, I don't know what they're going to do with some of their skill players. So I'm going to give it to South, but it could go either way. Then they play Sand Creek, Canyon City, Mitchell, Discovery Canyon. I think those are all wins there. The Discovery Canyon one, I'm not sure about because they're basically restarting there with so many players graduating. But I think East could figure out how to beat Discovery Canyon. So 
Uh, there you go there. Uh, and then to end the season, they play Pueblo County. <sighs> it could go either way. If they stop the run, then I think they're in a great spot. But I don't know about this defense. And they also still need to score. So for now, I'm going to count that as a loss. And so it's not horrible. I mean, right now, I'm going to predict Pueblo East going 5-5, five and five, going 500 with a window of wins between 4 and 7. There are some games that could go either way, but I have a hard time seeing them get back to that 8-win total again. Lucky for them, I see them playing Sand Creek, Canyon City, Mitchell, Discovery Canyon to a degree as games that I favor them for sure, even without Zayden Stevens, right? I think they're just bigger than them, and they'll be more physical. Those are winnable games. And so that should make up the core of, that, of those wins, uh, that little you know patch of their season here. Other than that, I think they're going to struggle a little bit here. Even though LaHunta game feels like a game they might lose to. I know they returned their quarterback, so that could cause issues for them. But, you know, we'll just have to see. New players are going to have to step up and, you know, replace the old players who are now gone. And so there you go. In this 2023 season, I see Pueblo East going 5-5 five and five with a window of wins between 4 and 7. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about Lamar here. Last year, uh, I predicted them going five and four. You know, I had them going five and four with a window of wins between four and six. This was one of the teams I was definitely wrong about. I was like not within, uh, they or they didn't finish within the window of wins here. And I, I guess I just misjudged the vibe here. They went two and seven, which was below my window of wins, and they underachieved, uh, in my opinion here. And so that includes losses to Fort Lupton, 28-25, which I don't think they should have lost. That should have been a win. I'm going to be honest with you. That definitely should have been a win. They lost to Bertha at 18-14, which is a really good squad. That's another one that should have been a win. They also lost to Woodland Park 18-16. That also should have been a win. These were all games that should have been wins in my opinions but they just barely lost couldn't get the job done there and so a little bit disappointing you know definitely a little bit disappointing especially considering some of the players they are losing here uh, and then they also took bad losses against alamosa they lost to 49 to 7 so a number of losses here marked uh, kind of a disappointing season here but let's talk about some graduating seniors starting with brendan sneller who uh, was the star of this team, in my opinion. He was an elite athlete, serving as their wideout one, grabbing 30 receptions for 673 receiving yards and six touchdowns. And then on defense, he was also a uh, defensive player maker of the year finalist, as well as an all-playmaker athlete at safety on the 2A level, where he had 129 tackles and six interceptions. This production is not going to be easily replaced. If anything, this is a committee type of production here that you're going to have to replace there. So that's definitely tough. They also lose Zach Forbes. Uh, this senior linebacker had 43 tackles here. And then they lose the 6'3", 200-pound linebacker Rafe Cousins. Uh, or sorry, 6'2", 200-pound linebacker Rafe Cousins here. Who had 42 tackles and 3 sacks. And so altogether, they're losing 6 of their top 13 tacklers. But that does include Sneller, who is their number one tackler. And then it includes uh, Forbes here, who was their fourth tackler. And then they have Cousins here, who was their sixth top tackler. So they're losing some leaders up here. They're going to have to replace that. And then especially Sneller on offense. I mean, he was their most productive player on offense. 
So I don't know how they're just going to replace him like that here. I mean, he made up for the majority of the uh, receiving yards. And yeah, that, that's definitely going to be an issue, right? And so speaking about this team, though, we let's talk about some key players, right? Uh, Diego Vasquez, he took over as the quarterback. The incoming senior uh, was the full-time starter here. He threw for 1,320 yards, 12 touchdowns to 16 interceptions on below 50% completion uh, percentage, which isn't great, 48 percent to be precise there for Lamar to do better he needs to clean up these numbers and take a step forward but that's going to be extremely hard to do without your starting like 6263 wide receiver in Sneller so we'll just have to see what happens there but for them to be more successful he has to play better he has to you know uplift the talent around him on top of that, they do return incoming junior running back Rafe Keys here. He had the most carries out of any back with 74, but he only ran for 283 yards. Going into his senior year, it could be assumed that he will be in the rotation again, but we will see if he is the main guy or the starter. I assume he will be, but I got to throw this out there. There is a younger player in Axton Morales here who's an incoming junior. He will be part of this running back rotation. And even though he only got 39 carries through nine games, he rushed for 198 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's almost 60 carries or not 60. That's around 40 carries less. And he was only 100 yards, roughly less than 100 yards, maybe 90 yards away from key here so it's going to be interesting to see who kind of takes that step forward here uh for them also he was the second highest leading tackler with 58 uh so he'll be the highest leading tackler that will be returning on this defensive side of the ball so we'll see what happens there also there is kale buxton he is a sophomore here in nine games he rushed 28 times for 167 yards two touchdowns maybe he could get a little bit more involved that would really help out this team a ton but, I mean, right now, it's just going to be really hard to see them winning a ton more games without Sneller here. I mean, you need other players to step forward. And I feel like last year, they didn't exactly take that big step forward that I thought they would. But let's go ahead and talk about this season here. They go ahead and start out playing Trinidad. That should be an automatic win. Then they play Fort Lupton. This really should not be a loss. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this is a very depleted team, losing their quarterback and some guys. <sighs> it could be close, but I'm going to give it to Lamar right now. But that it's going to be a close game, honestly. It could go either way. Then they play Burlington. I think that's a loss. Burlington will not be uh, easy to beat as they return a solid defense that really gave this team trouble last year. They do lose their quarterback, though, so there is like a door open for them to win it. But this is going to be a tough defense. Then I don't think they beat Berthet. That's going to be a really good team this year. They play Florence next. Uh, they are losing some guys, but they have very good weapons. I don't. I don't. I just don't think that's going to be a win. They return Gage Goodall, uh, who's a really good safety. That could give Diego Vasquez some issues there. Then they play Alamosa. They still have plenty of skill players in Jackson and Mice here. Brant Jackson and uh, Mice there, who I think will still pose a problem with them. So those are losses uh, there. So that's a loss to Alamosa. They play La Junta. I think that's a loss, especially with Luke Gardner coming back. They play Woodland Park. I think that is probably a loss here. Yeah, I'm going to say that's a loss. They have a solid defense. It was a close game last year. 
uh, no Brendan Sneller this year. I think Willen Park wins it. And then to end the season, they play Manitou Springs at home. I'm going to say this is a win, but this will probably be a hard-fought game. I'm going to say they still pull it out, though. All right? But it definitely could go the other way. So right now, I have Lamar going 3-7. and seven. Just with the window of wins of 1-4, and four, look. Lamar, they're going to struggle. It's hard to see them having a big turnaround without a couple breakout players. Now, if there are a couple breakout players, maybe they could get closer to that 500 mark. But right now, based on the team we saw last year, I just don't know if they could get to 500. And so, I hope they prove me wrong. They have plenty of young players. Someone has to step up, right? So, we're just going to have to see what happens moving forward. Okay, now let's go ahead and talk about La Hunta here. So, originally... I predicted them going 5-2. and two. At that point, they only had seven games scheduled. I was sure they were going to schedule more. So their window of wins was 5-7 to seven wins. 5 being their floor, 7 being their ceiling here. And they went 5-4. and four. And not only did they fall within the window of wins, but I actually predicted their actual number of wins, right? So I'm going to count it there. It might be cheating, you know. But still, though, I'm going to count it there. So they are one of the teams whose records I got exactly right, right at 5 wins there. Um, so there you go, but let, let's talk about this season because it was kind of an up and down season here uh, Let's just go game by game here. They lost the, or sorry. They beat Burlington, right? 42-34 to start good win. They beat Bocosa Springs 32-6 to there. That was a good win, but they suffered a pretty significant injury there uh, Luke Garner their starting quarterback. I believe hurt his ankle and so that was it for him. That was, he was done for the season. It sounds like he's going to return. He's going to be fine. You know, but that was kind of a pretty big gut punch for uh, La Hunta here for sure. That's definitely a big one, losing their quarterback. And so at the Pueblo East game, they lost that one, 38-13. Then they beat Manuel, 48-6. And then they lost a close one to Alamosa, 28-20. That was one that I originally predicted as a win. And I think if they had Garner, they win it. And then after that, they suffer another close loss to Woodland Park in overtime, 14-6 there. <sighs> Man, that's tough. 14-6 in OT. That was another game I thought they would win there. And so, I mean, with Garner, I think they win those. And then they play Lamar, beat them 21-0, beat Manitou 42-6. I mean, those were games that I thought uh, that they could win, except for Manitou, actually. I thought they might lose to them, but they still beat them. So there you go. And then they played Florence here. Uh, I, I probably would have had them losing, and they did lose 43-15. to If they beat Florence, I think they probably would have made the playoffs, honestly, uh, on the 2A level. They probably, made the, they probably would have made the playoffs, in my honest opinion, but they just came up short. And so this was definitely a little bit of a disappointing season. Uh, even though they finished 5-4, which is solid above 500, that was not enough to put them in the playoffs. I mean, if they beat Alamosa, if they beat Woodland Park... Those are two teams that made the playoffs. You probably take one of their spots, to be completely honest with you. Um, and unfortunately, they just couldn't quite get it done there. But it's still val—it's still a very valiant effort considering they lost their starting quarterback. So honestly, you could be happy with it, but you do lose some pretty significant players, starting with their starting running back, Jeremiah Martinez. Uh, honestly, had a slightly disappointing senior year. I think a lot of it was because yeah, he was forced to carry the load, and they really keyed in on him. He only ran for 677 yards and nine touchdowns, uh, so there was that. 
Um, he was also the workhorse here as he had 12 receptions, 151 yards, and four receiving touchdowns, and then contributed 21 tackles on defense. This duo of Martinez and Garner, unfortunately, I don't think ever it really reached its peak, despite it being a really good duo. And so that's really disappointing that, you know, he got hurt and whatnot. But he will definitely be missed. He was a great athlete for them. Um, and so that's a big loss. On top of that, on defense, they do lose Andrew Razo Jr. He was one of the defensive leaders here. He had 38 tackles, six tackles for loss. That was good for the third leading tackler on the squad there. And so altogether, when looking at the damage, they're only losing four of their top 13 tacklers. But it looks like two of them were linemen, including Gerhardt, who had two sacks there. So, uh, not a lot, but, you know, they're losing some guys up front. They're obviously also losing Jeremiah Martinez, which is not exactly an easy guy to replace. But, let's talk about the key players. Let's start with Luke Garner, the guy they lost to a tough ankle injury. He should be able to return. It sounds like he's back at full strength, and he's doing really well, or at least that's what my sources tell me. And so... With that being said, LaHunta's season will really hinge on what kind of form he is able to get back to and what improvements he can make to his game to get them back into a good spot and get back into the playoffs. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. This is going to be his senior year. We're going to have to see what happens. Uh, so there you go there. Now, before we move on, I do want to talk about Ryland Schmidt here. He was the sophomore who took over for Garner. Uh, he was an incoming or he is an incoming junior right now. And, you know, he had some serious struggles passing the ball here, but he was pretty effective running the ball. So, to me, it's unsure if that was because of the scheme or because he's a naturally great athlete. But either way, he did run for 451 yards and 9 touchdowns. There could be a world where he is used as a running back or maybe as another receiving option. But we will see about that. Just keep an eye out for him. And then we also have Ethan Labor here. This incoming senior did it all as the wideout one. He caught 20 receptions for 273 yards, three touchdowns, while also rushing for 314 yards and three touchdowns. With the return of Garner, you could definitely see these numbers inflate a bit and for him to do a lot better with his starting quarterback uh, back here. So that should be a pretty solid duo to be returning there. And then let's talk about the defense led by AJ Martinez and Dylan Ruiz. This defense will be much more experienced this year. I don't know if we can expect them to be a top five defense in the state, but with all the guys that are returning, I mean, they should be experienced enough to at least get them into the playoffs. And so there you go there. They are losing some guys here. It's disappointing that they couldn't win more with this Garner-Martinez duo, but we got to move on. We got to go to the 23 season here. And so let's talk about it. Let's go game by game, starting with the Burlington game here. I think this is a win. Without Richardson and Conradi, this Burlington team is looking at a little bit of a rebuilding year. They do return to defense, which could mean some issues. But this LaHunta team beat them last year, right? Obviously, they had Martinez and a couple other guys. Uh, but this year, you know, Burlington, they lose their backfield. So that should mean a dub for LaHunta. Then they play Pagosa Springs. I think that's a dub. Following that, they play Pueblo East. I think this will be a close game, but I think if LaHunta wants to prove they are a playoff team, they go ahead and win this game against a team who does not have their quarterback. So I think it's definitely winnable if Garner has a signature game here. If he doesn't, though, then they, then they lose. And so for now, I'm going to predict it as a loss. Just going on the safe side of things, but definitely a game they can win here. So there you go. 
Then they play manual. Maybe it's different this year, but I believe this game may come down to a shootout in Denver here. Uh, whichever quarterback, whether it's Carteo Dickey of manual or Luke Garner plays better, will win this game. Uh, this could be another close one, but I really like the receiving core manual brings back. I also like their quarterback. I think this is a loss, but I also think Manuel's going to be really good. So there you go there. Uh, moving on, though, they play Alamosa. That should be a dub. If they could play them close last year without Garner, they should be able to beat them this year, especially at home. Also, especially because they are losing the Jones brothers, too. So there you go there. Then they play Woodland Park. Uh, last year, it was close. What They lost an OT this year. Just like Alamosa, I think they go ahead and win it. So there you go there. I think LaHunta wins this game. Then they play Lamar. Unless Diego Vasquez takes a big uh, step forward, I trust Garner and this experienced defense to once again win this game. And then finally here, the last two games, they play Manitou Springs here. I think that's a win there. Um, it could be a maybe a trap game. We'll see, but I still think that's a win. And then Florence, I think if LaHunta is rolling by this point, I trust them to go ahead and win this game. Even though it does have the potential to be a close one, but at this point, I'm unsure with what Florence has to offer at this moment, at least offensively. And so, consider this one that could maybe go either way. Regardless, though, I have La Hunta going 7-2 this 2023 football season with a window of wins of 5-8 to eight here. It's hard to see where this La Hunta team will truly fall. I think with the return of Gardner and assuming he plays the whole season and is healthy and takes a step forward as well and is improved, this team wins at least five games. For them to make the playoffs, they will have to win more than that, though. I look at Pueblo East, Manuel, and Florence uh, as key games here. I would also say the Woodland Park uh, game would be a key game as well. I'll throw that one in there. And so if they can win at least one of these three or two of these four here, if not more, then they should be able to make the playoffs here. I think this is a playoff team. And depending on where Luke Garner is and how good this defense is, I mean, hey, they could potentially make a run here in 2A, which is pretty wide open, I would say, for the most part. You have a couple teams here and there, but they could make a run here depending on how good Luke Garner is. But we'll just have to see about that. Okay, now for our last team here, we got Durango. Uh, talking about last year, I predicted Durango to be a contender and to go 9-1 with a window of wins of 8-10 to 10 in the regular season here. In the regular season, they went 9-1. Predicted that one exactly correct there. Um, well, relatively correct there. Their one loss came to Piedra Vista, 14-13, to which I thought they would win there, but that was a close one. And then their next closest game was against Palisade, who they only beat by only seven there. So those are, I guess, some uh, formalities to throw out there. But let's talk about last season a little bit more here. Uh, to start the season, they played Farmington, beat them 56-7. They played Piedra Vista, which I thought they were going to easily win, but they lost 14-13. to Still could have been, won that one, though. Then they beat Aztec 55-0, and then they go ahead and play Grand Junction Central, a 4A team, uh, just blast them 49-14. They play Meade at home, a matchup of last year's playoff, or two years ago's uh, playoff game. They beat them 42-14, beat Summit 56-3, who was really hot at the time too, so that was a little surprising, but they just beat them. Beat Glenwood Springs 57-14, Eagle Valley 62-8, only beat Palisades 7-0, which is a little, it's a little interesting. For sure, it's definitely a little interesting there. But then they move on to Battle Mountain. That was a forfeit, so they had the week off. And then they had playoffs from there. 
in the first round in the playoffs, they played Harrison, beat them 42-13 to at home. Then they went ahead and played George Washington here. Uh, survived a little bit of a shootout, a little bit of a scare, but still beat them 56-28. to And then that left them hosting Lutheran at home here. I originally thought this might be the year they go back to state and they beat them at home. But Lutheran showing some heart here. Just a great team, honestly. Um, playing great two teams, really, playing each other. They lost to them barely 45-28 to here. Uh, well, two or three score game, right? But definitely closer than the score appeared to be as their season unfortunately ended a game short of state. But this was a contender and they were a monster. Let's talk about some graduating seniors here that contributed to this squad and has contributed to how good this squad was. Starting with Joshua Bates. The all playmaker, the top five senior guard slash interior lineman in the class of 2023. And also, I believe, our highest rated player in PMC history as far as we've done grades on these players. He was our highest rated one at guard slash center here. He's been a mainstay of this team for three seasons. And now he is at the University of Oklahoma doing his thing over there uh, for Coach Brent Venables and whatnot. And so this is a pretty big loss. Uh, they're going to have to look to others moving on from now, obviously. I mean, they're forced to, right? But, you know, he contributed so much to this offense. He also played a little bit on defense as well, so that's a tough one. They also graduate uh, Jarek Baruch here. He ended up getting the most carries at running back, which was a little interesting here, but, um, you know, not unexpected. On 165 carries, he had 1,201 rushing yards and 15 rushing touchdowns. Also was the third leading tackler with 56 tackles, so that's a great athlete they're missing. They're also missing Zachary Haber here, who I thought would be the lead guy, but got about 30-ish carries short at 137. Still, though, rushed for 979 yards and 18 rushing touchdowns, so he had the most uh, rushing touchdowns. Uh, between the two and then on defense he was also very productive with 48 tackles and two interceptions and then this was kind of a player that really broke out here in his senior season but AJ Folk the tight end was dominant and he made our all playmaker team as as a tight end along with Joshua Bates but as the tight end for this group he was actually their lead receiver here with 12 receptions for 441 yards and six receiving touchdowns and then on defense he was tough off the edge with 39 tackles and six sacks altogether talking about the damage that has been done to this team by graduation here I mean, I couldn't talk about everyone, but there's a lot that I'm missing here. They are losing eight of their top 13 tacklers on defense. Um, that includes three of their top five leading tacklers. So that's obviously tough. They're also losing their top two rushers, their top four receivers. Uh, but they look to keep a solid amount of their offensive line intact, even though their best lineman, Joshua Bates, is gone right he's at Oklahoma so they're losing a lot here but this Durango team's well coached and they still got some guys coming up so let's talk about those guys starting with incoming senior quarterback 
Tyler Harms. He took a step forward as a quarterback, threw for 1,617 yards, 22 touchdowns, only seven interceptions on an efficient 63% throwing uh, there. He also had 196 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He will be one of the best quarterbacks in Colorado this next season, but losing his backfield best lineman and starting receivers will be tough. So it's going to be up to, Ar to Harms here to elevate the talent around him. But, you know, just looking at a film, he's good. Um, he has a good sense for the game and whatnot. I think this could be a big year, but he's going to have to have playmakers step up. One of those playmakers, I think, will be incoming senior Jackson Fancher here. He was a solid third rushing option with 422 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Also, by the way, caught eight receptions for 169 yards and four touchdowns. He was also one of the few returning defensive players with 41 tackles and two picks. He should be the next Durango athlete in line to star as a skill player for them and help out harms here. And so I'm really looking at those two to kind of figure out the offense. And Durango, honestly, they've went through so much change these last couple years, but they've always figured it out. One has also got to believe that maybe Josh Bates has, you know, something to do with it. Having one of the best linemen ever uh, definitely has to do with it. So... There's that, but you also got to trust that this coaching staff is going to figure out how to use their guys, right? So there you go there. And then on defense, you have Jackson uh, Hubertus, I want to say. He's a 6'3", 222-pound defensive end, which is pretty big for the 3A level here. But 6'3", 222 pounds, he will be in his senior year here in a defense that will be less crowded, so he should get a lot of opportunities. They also have Jacob Newbert. The 6'7", 238-pound defensive end slash tight end, he could really turn up this year as well for Durango. So just kind of trying to project some bigger guys here who could be important for them moving forward. But with that being said, I really feel like this Harms and Fancher duo is really going to help carry this team going into this season here. Now... Let's go ahead and let's talk about their record here, uh, or talk about their schedule here. They play Farmington. This squad wasn't great last year, but probably should be a little bit better this year. Even though they are going to be better, I still trust Harms to go ahead and handle business here on the road. It won't be easy, though. Then they play Piedra Vista. They lost to them barely 14-13. to I think this game will be one that might barely get away from them again this year. This was a team that also made a deep playoff run in New Mexico last year. And so I think this is one that they lose, even though it will be at home. So there you go. Then they play Aztec. That's a home game. I think they should go ahead and beat them there. Uh, following that, they start playing some Colorado talent, starting with a 4A Grand Junction Central. I think that is going to be a dub. So there you go. Uh, and so that should help them improve to 3-1 and one here to start. Following that, they play Mead. This one will be away. I think this is going to be a really tough battle. This is a program they're familiar with. It could go either way. I think it could go either way. But I trust Tyler Harms to be the most or more experienced quarterback, which he is, and find a way to go ahead and get this one done. So there you go there. Then they play Summit. Uh, honestly, Durango really shouldn't lose to them as they're losing so much over there. So there you go. They play Glenwood Springs. This one could be interesting, but I think they should still beat them. That should be a win here as they are a little bit bigger and imposing up front. 
Then they play Eagle Valley. Uh, uh, that's a dub. Palisade, I think that could be another close game. They are losing a lot, though, so maybe it's not a close game. But with their system, it's easy to plug and play a couple guys. So there you go. But I still think the experience Durango brings back, especially on offense, should be enough to beat them. Then they go ahead and play Battle Mountain to end the season. That should be a dub here. And so, honestly, surprising enough, I have them at 9-1 and one with a window of wins of 7-9 to nine here. Look, this Durango team is well coached. And honestly, they've always done a good job binding players to ease into roles that best suit them. With this team returning a great player in Tyler Harms, their quarterback, I think they can find a way to get it done. This doesn't mean there won't be some growing pains, but I also feel like outside of me, Palisade, and one of the two New Mexico teams, they aren't facing the toughest competition. Uh, Mead and Palisade are both losing some players as well, so we will see. So that's kind of why I have their ceiling at 9 wins and then their floor at 7. I think they should for sure finish over 500, though. I just don't know how far over 500. So we're just going to have to see about that. But either way, that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Oof, excuse me there. Um, <laughs> but go ahead and follow us on social media at Playmakers Corner on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Playmakers Corner. Uh, posting updates. We should be still posting our watch list. Uh, we got a lot of content coming out as we approach the beginning of the season. And so be on the lookout for all of those. Should be some good stuff coming up here soon as well as more season previews as i begin to wrap this up uh, we will have covered all the 11-man football teams in colorado by the time i'm done with my previews between myself cody's and gideon so make sure you check theirs out as well but until next time uh, i'll catch you later